Welcome to another episode of Doubtfully Daily Mantigo, a short podcast, never longer than five minutes, where I get to discuss whatever happens to be on my mind. And today, rules and work is on my mind. And of course, work is on my mind every day. This is essentially all I do lately. Um, I was saying on the last episode that generally what I do when I sit down at the computer is I work and work and work and work, and it's non-stop because there just isn't time to use the computer for anything but work. There's no time for games, there's no time for you know fun and excitement, things of that sort. If I want to have fun with a computer, essentially what I'm doing is I'm taking a tablet and reading. That's fun. Aside from that, it's work all the way. So one of the things that I've been thinking about um, quite a bit the last, I don't know how long, but for a long time, is the rules that made Jordan Peterson a little popular on uh, Quora many, many years ago, which then later led to writing a book called 12 Rules for Life, and then his uh, more recent book, Another 12 Rules. And while I don't agree with everything that he's ever said, because who who agrees with 100% of what somebody says, um, while I don't agree with everything that he said, there is a lot of wisdom behind some of the words that he has put down on paper. And what I try to do with work is I try to exemplify some of these rules because it allows me to be very effective with what I need to do at the day job, which is essentially solving problems. That is what I'm paid to do. That is what most of us are paid to do at our day jobs. We need to solve problems, whether that's bussing tables or working at a cash register or writing software that's going to be used by people around the globe. All of these things are problems that need to be solved, and that's why we have people doing them. But there are ways that we can do this a little better. And This is something I think about very consciously all the time because I generally have to work in groups and I'm the first to admit I don't work well in groups. Generally, when I have an idea, it's a very strong idea. I feel very strongly about it and I'm going to push it all the way as far as it can possibly go because when I have an idea and I'm sharing that idea, while I try to communicate it clearly, it's very difficult for me to explain it as a complete concept for people. And that's because a lot of ideas are expressed with a couple of sentences, and I don't work that way. I work in stories. So when I present an idea to people, generally what I'm doing is I'm presenting the first part, but I'm keeping the next parts to myself because if I present too much at once, people get overwhelmed. And this is something that I've seen time and time and time again. So I try and keep the end game known, but invisible when I'm presenting ideas, because I don't want to overwhelm people, and I don't want people to say, well, that's too much to do, we'll never be able to do it, so just stop. Um, And this is what a lot of management over the years, not only at the current company, but everywhere I've worked, um, a lot of management has responded this way, because I come with these very big ideas, and I say, this is what we can do, and these are the benefits, and oftentimes the answer is, well, yeah, That would be great if we could do it, but we don't have time, so go and do all these little bug fixes and all this other stuff on this legacy product that maybe doesn't actually solve the problems that we need to solve in the next year or two. 
And so rather than looking at the future and saying, how can we prepare for the future? People are looking at the present and saying, how can we just resolve the crisis of the day? And I really dislike being in that mode for more than a couple of weeks because it's, it's not creative and it's not fun. It's not interesting. Anybody can fix bugs. Literally anybody can. Um, and sometimes these bugs are important to fix. I'm not going to disagree with that whatsoever. Bugs are things that need to be fixed. But at the same time, we need to think about the future. Because if we're always doing what has worked, then that means we'll always be stuck in the past. And I really dislike that. So coming back to the rules that were originally posted on Quora, there were 42 rules. Um, and of these 42, when it comes to work, I stick to 15. And these are very, very effective rules at the day job. And I try to, as I've said, I, I try to exemplify this as much as possible. And so here are some of the rules, as well as some of the thoughts behind it. Um, and some of these are obvious, but it's really important to understand, like even a, a three-word rule, like rule number one, tell the truth. Like, well, yeah, duh, don't lie. But it's important to understand why this is important, because well, let's just get into it. So number one, tell the truth. Like, why is this important? Well, of course, we don't want to lie. But in addition to this, like, we don't really know the whole truth about anything ever because we have our own view of the world or our own view of the problem, and it may be incomplete. And so for us, what we see as being truth is an incomplete picture of the problem, generally, or an incomplete picture of the solution. So it's important for us to communicate this. It's important for us to always tell the truth and don't twist it, don't change it to our own advantage. Because when this sort of thing happens, when we begin to twist what truth is, people trust us less. Um, and when you're working in groups, it's very important that we don't lose trust because it's very difficult to regain it. It's incredibly difficult. So you know, always tell the truth. Um, and... Of course, this goes into the next one, which is also, don't do things that you hate. And I'm going to be quite honest, the thing that I've been doing at the day job for the last couple of years, I really don't like. And lately, I do hate it. Um, I hate it because it's, it's, it's the wrong solutions. And the, the sad thing is, the team I'm working with, they're very good people. They work really hard. They put in the effort. They try and do the right things all the time. But the things that we're doing... The things that we're investing all of our brain power into is not the correct solution for the problem. And that's because the problem was never presented correctly in the first place. But because of momentum and, and institutional process and things of that sort, a lot of people have really dug their heels into the current solution. And they're saying, no, this is what we must do. So get it done. Even though like, this thing hasn't even launched yet and we're already so deep in legacy that it's going to take forever to get out of. Um, and for some people, that's exactly what they want. They want this legacy because it gives them the perception of power, the perception of knowledge, the perception of being more valuable than they need to be. And I really dislike that because I don't think any one individual should necessarily control a narrative to that extent so that they can make themselves unfireable. Um, and, and that's going a little far, but essentially this is what I see. People are, are, are intentionally making decisions that benefit them personally rather than the ultimate goal, 
Um, and I'm not just talking about the company because really, who cares per se? Like, it, yes, it's important, but the company is not the be all and end all. For me, it's the people who pay my paycheck. And that's not management, it's not the accountants, it's not even HR. It's the students who come to the school to earn money, or not earn money, but to um, learn something. And they're the ones paying the tuition, or their parents are the ones who are paying the tuition. And at the end of the day, those are the people who pay me. And it's because of the instructors, the teachers who are in the classrooms, that the money that's paid in tuitions gets transferred into... Um, money that can be spent by the company on things like electricity and hardware and payroll. So for me, it's always what does the student need, what does the instructor need, and what do the people at the schools who support the students and instructors, what do they need? Everybody else, I don't care if it's a manager or the CEO, couldn't care less. What their needs are doesn't even register to me because I don't care. Um, yeah, I can get things done. I can write reports and I can create new dashboards and things of that sort. And yeah, I can do that. And sometimes it's fun. But at the end of the day, um, I don't care about those particular things because it's not the actual problem. Um, those can help solve other problems, like how do we drive revenue or, or all those other silly questions that management thinks about that I really don't. Um, it can help them do that, which is fine, which is why I can support these people when they have requests for data or reports or presentations and things of that sort. I can do that. It's just, that's not what I want to do. So this goes into, you know, rule number four, which is the third thing I'm going to talk about. Pursue what is meaningful, not what is expedient. And a lot of times this is what I see at companies. People just want what's expedient. Get it done, get it done, get it done, get it done. But we're always stuck in the past when we do this. And it's not beneficial for anybody because if we're always stuck in the past and we never go to the future, well, number one, the competition is going to get to the future before us. It's going to make us look older or out of touch or just undesirable for a student or their parents. So why would we want that? And when we go after what's meaningful, like we have to ask really tough questions. We have to let go of things that maybe we're attached to. And that's really hard for people to do. Like, I'll admit it's difficult for me to do. I've written a lot of software at the day job that I thought was great that I've had to give up um, for things that I see as being uh, technically inferior. And unfortunately, that's just the way it is. And, and I say technically inferior because it, these things require more resources. It's more difficult to get simple things done. Um, there's more taps. There's more clicks. It's just There's more friction involved with the software that has replaced the stuff that I've custom developed for the day job. Um, this doesn't mean that the new software is you know, worse per se. It's just different. And I had to give that up. But still, when we go after what's meaningful, we're able to give up the things that we are attached to and look at the actual problem that needs to be solved. And this is insanely important. And it's something that I try to think about with all of the decisions and all of the actions that I do at the day job. Another item that I'm going to look at is uh, rule number five. If you have to choose, be the one who does things instead of the one who is seen doing things. So this is sometimes a little confusing for people to understand, but basically I just want to get things done. And so this is what I do. I get things done, and I usually do it in the background. Um, I don't announce what I'm doing. I don't you know, peacock around saying, hey, I'm so busy, look at me, look at me. People think I'm busy, 
But no, it's not that I'm always busy. It's that I'm just getting things done. And yeah, I do have time to stop and use the bathroom and get coffee and think. And that that's really where I put a lot of my time into thinking. So am I busy? Yeah, but cognitively, not necessarily physically. Um, now, one that's Another rule that's really important, like really, really important that I always do is, is and have been doing since I was five years old, is um, rule number six, pay attention. And what this allows us to do when we really pay attention, we can cut through a lot of bullcrap. Um, and anytime we're working with a lot of people, there's going to be bullcrap. And this isn't to say that, you know, it's it's always malicious or, or anything of that sort or political or whatnot. Um it's just when you're dealing with people, there's a lot that's not said. And if you don't pay attention, you'll never catch that. You'll never, you'll never pick up on what's not being said. And when you don't do that, when you try to solve a problem, you're always coming up with a partial solution. And partial solutions receive a lot of resistance because the people who are not communicating very well, or very clearly, or honestly, um, will see gaps in your solutions or in your ideas. And they just won't necessarily communicate those ideas very clearly or effectively. And so there's just going to be pushbacks. Like, no, 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 this is not a good idea. And that creates a lot of frustration, especially if things are not being clearly communicated. But when you really pay attention, and when you focus on the things that are not being said, as well as the things that are being said, of course. But when you really focus, you can begin to see some incredible patterns that happen again and again. And when your job is to solve problems and you see these patterns that create friction or other issues, it becomes much simpler to provide solutions. And me being me, like this is what I do. I look for patterns and I provide solutions. Um, but in addition to this, it's also important to re remember rule number seven, which is assume that the person you are listening to might know something you need to know. Listen to them hard enough so they will share it with you. Now, I argue with a lot of people at the day job. A lot. I think I've argued with everybody I've ever worked with. Um, and sometimes these are heated arguments. And sometimes I hang up on a call because I'm just so frustrated by what they have to say. But it's incredibly important for me to listen to these people because they do have perspectives. They do have information that I don't have. And the things that they can teach me outweigh however I might feel about that information at, at, any, at any given moment. And so it's really important to listen, although sometimes it's not easy. And, and this is something that I always have to remind myself. I, I always need to work on this because, like I said, I will hang up on calls if somebody pushes the right buttons. Um, and and it's, it's a shame, really, but I need to make sure that I'm listening. And this is something that I have gotten a lot better at over the last couple of years, especially since I've moved to the global team and I'm working with people across time zones and borders. So these six rules are incredibly important. There's just a few more I'm going to run through, and I'm definitely going over my five-minute time limit here for this episode. But rule number 11 is make at least one thing better every single place you go. And I certainly try and do this, but I take it to the next step. I don't just want to make one thing better every place I go. 
I want to make one one thing better every place I go every single day. And if I can't do it at least once a day, I get disappointed in myself um, because I have certain expectations of what I'm responsible for and what I can do. And even if I can't accomplish the really big things, I can still make little things better, whether it is a bug fix, whether it is documentation, whether it is helping a junior developer better understand a problem so that they don't make the same mistakes time and time again. Like These are things that I can do. And so it's really important that we all try and do this, try and make one thing better. Um, but we also need to remember you know, rule number 16, which is to work as hard as we possibly can on at least one thing and see what happens. Now, I generally do this on two or more things. When I was younger, 20 years ago, I could do this on three or four things simultaneously, work really hard on like 20 years ago, it would have been um, an application I was working for, or I, I was developing for the day job back when it was, uh, I was working at a appliance repair center. And I was writing some software to replace the point of sale system and inventory system that we had because it was this really old Novell network based stuff. Um, and I worked really hard on that, and I learned a lot. The system didn't go very far because I was 21 and stupid, but I learned a lot from that. And even though, like I said, it was never really adopted by the company, and it was a small company, there were like eight of us, um, it, it allowed me to learn a lot. It allowed me to learn a lot about interfaces and about how other people use computers. And 20 years ago, how people used computers was very different from how we use them now. Uh, in most cases anyways. And so it opened it opened my eyes to a lot of things. Um, and I do the same thing now for all of the projects that I work on, even the ones that I don't like. I work as hard as I can because at the end of the day, my name is attached to my work and I don't want people to think, oh, Jason's being lazy. Like that's That's not cool. I don't like being lazy. I like getting things done. Um... Rule number 19, do not carelessly denigrate social institutions or artistic achievement. Now, this is really difficult because we always, not always, but it is so easy to say, so-and-so did bad work. So-and-so is not doing X, Y, and Z. It's so easy to do this. But I try really hard to rephrase and reframe those kinds of frustrations because yeah there might be something with a particular person not doing things the same way that i might approach them it's completely understandable not everybody is me um, and that's a good thing so for for me or for anyone to just carelessly denigrate is like oh like look, look at this um look, look at this report like it's just ugly these things are out of alignment the lines shouldn't be here blah 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 it's like uh, i can understand and we can understand yeah there are going to be artistic differences or styling differences and things of that sort. But at the end of the day, something was done. Okay, maybe we can do it better. That's always the case. We can always do something better. Let's focus on doing it better rather than completely denigrating what's been done in the past. Um, we can point out areas for improvement, of course, but we don't want to completely poo-poo something that somebody has done because that that's usually too harsh. It's, it's too negative. We don't need to go down that route unless something is really awful. And usually things are not. Um, number 24, nothing well done is insignificant. And a lot of these rules, they're very similar. So like this one here is very similar to number 16, working as hard as you possibly can on at least one thing. So if you do something really, really well, people will notice. 
even if that person is just you, people will notice that something was done really well. And it's important for us to remember this. So every week I try and clean the house as well as I can, even though five minutes later, I know the bathroom is going to be dirty within five minutes of me finishing it. And it takes an hour for me to clean the bathrooms. And then five minutes later, there's pee on the floor. There's toilet paper where it shouldn't be. It's just, that's just the way it is. Um, but it was done well. It's not insignificant because at the very least, I'm not going to have mold building up on the floorboards or anything of that sort. It was cleaned properly. And the same thing at work. If something is done well, you can use something for a very long time. And that's incredibly important. Um, 25, set your house in perfect order before you criticize the world. Yeah, like, this is completely logical. If I'm full of flaws, I should not be criticizing the flaws of others or, and that rolls into don't denigrate, um, but I should not be criticizing the flaws of others or like, just redirecting or, or misdirecting people from my own failures. Like that, that's silly. That's absolutely silly. I don't need to do that. Neither does anybody else. So make sure that we are completely perfect before we just go out on a tirade and denigrate everything. And I guarantee it's going to be impossible for us to make sure that we are 100% flawless before we begin to tackle and, and, and argue against all of the flawed institutions and organizations and people that we might encounter in a given day. So 25 is a very good way of saying stop bitching. Um, it's incredibly important. Number 27, be precise in your speech. Now, one thing that I have started doing this past year is I've become rather specific with my language because I want to make sure that the things I'm saying are understood. Now, this sometimes means I'm using very complex language, which is not understood by the listener all the time. This is not a good thing, but the precision of the speech, when I am being very clear about something, I want to make sure that there is no ambiguity in what it is that I'm saying, because if something is a good idea, I need to say so. And if something is a poor idea, I need to say so and give specific reasons. It needs to be very clear. And if I'm unable to do that, if I'm being vague, then my input has no value. And so this is something that I'm very conscious of because I want to make sure that the things I'm saying are correct, they're truthful, and they're valuable. And it's very difficult to do this consistently because it's very easy, especially when we're heated from uh, rage or frustration or something of that sort, for us to be very generic with our language. And that is not at all beneficial. Number 37, don't let bullies get away with it. We all have bullies in our lives. These could be colleagues, it could be managers, it could be family, I hope it's not family, it could be neighbors, it could be anybody. But we can't let them get away with it. We might allow you know, one slip or two slips here and there where somebody makes a derogatory comment or complains or does something which completely ruins something that was achieved or something that was done. But at the end of the day, we shouldn't allow that to become the pattern. Because if we allow bullies to get away with things, we give them power. Because by not asserting ourselves, by not telling the truth, we allow other people to take power, to build power. 
And that's unacceptable because when a bully has power, they can use that as leverage over people who may not have the ability to stand up against them. And so it's incredibly important that when we can, we stand up and we tell bullies no. Because if we don't, who will? And then this gets into the two last points that I want to look at. Um, because if we stand up to bullies we and, and we always tell the truth and we be specific and we do good work and all these things, it is so easy to become arrogant or resentful. It is very easy because we think we're doing the right thing. We become, our, our ego inflates. And we have to be very careful of that because of, and I, especially me, I have to be very careful of that because arrogance and, and being egotistical, you lose friends that way. You lose opportunities that way. Um, people don't want to listen because it's just too much. And it's something that I try and be very conscious of, even though at the day job, you know, I use, um, I use the word soliloquy a lot because sometimes if, if something is clearly wrong, I will go on a tirade, much like this podcast. I will go on a tirade for three or four minutes outlining why something needs to change, what are all the problems, and what are, what are the solutions. And I'll do it in a very... It, it, it's a monologue, just like this podcast is very much a monologue because I speak at a high rate of speed and other people don't interrupt me very often. And the people who do are usually managers. They will interrupt me and say, okay, Jason, that's enough. But it doesn't happen very often. And when I'm done my soliloquies, what I find very odd is that a lot of people agree with a lot of what I have to say. They just don't agree with how I have to say it. And so, and that's because I'm coming across as being arrogant. And so I have to be very careful with this um, because I will, I will put my foot in my mouth repeatedly, but eventually I'm going to be putting both feet in my mouth and it's going to cost me. So it's something to be very, very careful of. And then the last rule that, um, that has guided so much of what I, I have been doing at companies whenever I have the opportunity to work with them is rule number 33, which is perhaps my favorite rule from the 42 that Jordan Peterson wrote on Quora, which is notice that opportunity lurks where responsibility has been abdicated. And this is so true. And we see this at companies around the world. Something needs to be done. The people who are expected to get that thing done aren't interested in doing that thing anymore, or they're not interested in doing it very well anymore. So those people or that group or the entire organization has abdicated the responsibility of that thing. Okay, this happens, particularly when there are retirements or as people become bored with an idea or when um, something just becomes tradition within an organization and nobody thinks to question it or, or stand up and say, hey, let's think this through again. So that's where opportunity comes from. And that is part of that other rules that I was talking about. Number six, pay attention. Because if we pay attention and we see where responsibility has been abdicated and it's something that we are interested in, then we can put our hand up and say, hey, how about this? Let's look at this. Let's fix this. And here's a possible solution because here's the pattern that I've seen by paying attention. And here's how we can improve it. 
And here are the benefits that will come if we improve this. And this is what I've been doing at the day job for, I guess, 13 years now, even when I was in the classroom. Um, and it's allowed me to you know, rise through the ranks. It's allowed me to change roles. It's allowed me to um, get access to a remarkable amount of privilege and opportunity. Um, and it's just been better for me as a whole. And when I do this with my freelance clients, and, and I pay attention to what's going on within their organizations based on, even though I don't work in the office with them, even though I've never seen most of my freelance clients in person, I look at the messages that people send or, or when they are communicating or these things, and, and I say, well, there's clearly a gap here. And let's see if we can fill that gap. Let's see if we can solve that problem. Because if we can solve the problem, even if it's not what I was hired for, then everybody wins. Because I win, because I get paid. Um, and the people who, who directly benefit from these changes win, because now there's less friction. And why wouldn't we want to do that? We're, if we're lucky, most of us are here for less than 100 years. Um, well, if we're lucky, we're here longer, but in good health. But most of us are here maybe 80 or 90 years on this earth. Um, there are enough pain points in the world for us to contend with every day, whether it's not earning enough money, paying the bills, getting enough sleep, paying attention to our health, getting enough exercise, eating the right foods. Like There's so many other things for us to focus on to enjoy ourselves. Why in the world should we tolerate any friction at the day job? Or just in life in general? Like Why, why do we want friction? We don't want friction. Uh, we don't want things to be too easy, but we don't want friction. And so when there is an opportunity to make something better, we have to pay attention. And if that task was somebody else's responsibility and they're no longer doing it, either because they can't or they won't, well, then we have to step up and we have to say, okay, I will do this now. Or if it's too much for one person, build a team. We will do this now. This is how families operate. This is how good teams at companies and organizations operate. This is what we need to do. So we need to notice that opportunity and we need to pay attention. Um, we need to not allow ourselves to be arrogant. We must be humble because none of us are amazing. The people who are truly amazing have no time for interpersonal relationships. Um, we have to tell the truth. We have to not do things that we hate unless they're absolutely necessary. Like we have to do our taxes. Um, <laughs> we, can't, we can't not pay our taxes. But if it's something that we have a say in, then yeah, we shouldn't do things that we hate. Um, we have to get things done, not just make it look like we're doing things. We have to, we have to do what's meaningful. Don't just focus on now, focus on the future. Because every decision that we make now, we pay for in the future. And if we make the right bargains, if we do the work now so that we do less in the future, well, that's better for us and it's better for everyone else. Otherwise, we just invest more time in the future doing things we don't really want to do. Um, and we have to do it well, because if it's done well, it's not insignificant. 
and people will notice that. So this is a lot more than five minutes, but these 16 rules have guided the last couple of years of my career, and it has resulted in a remarkable number of opportunities um, where people will listen, they will tolerate my soliloquies, they will allow me the opportunity to make change, even in areas that are not my responsibility. Because if I offer a solution and they like it, well, everybody wins. And if I offer a solution and they don't like it, well, then I learn something new. I learn why my solutions are incomplete, why they're not the best solution. And that I can then take to and add that to future decisions or future problems. The more I know, the better my future problems or the better the future solutions will be. Um, and the more I share, the more other people can benefit from these solutions, both good and bad. Because if it's a bad solution, other people need to know why it's bad. So, yeah. These 16 rules, incredibly powerful, um, incredibly useful, and always incredibly relevant. It doesn't matter when we are in time. Like these 16 rules have been important for thousands of years. And I only wish I had learned about these things 20 years ago. Because maybe then I'd, I'd be in a very different place today. Either way, it's not too late and there's work to be done. Thank you for listening.